Good morning, Calvary. Man, I'm so, so excited to be here this morning. First service was, was pretty amazing. Uh, now, I didn't do this in first service, so I'm going to uh, give you a disclaimer uh, for a reason. I, now, I only had one person walk out of first service, so praise God for that. Uh, and, you know, some of the stuff we're going to be touching on this morning might be uh, a little sensitive uh, for people. And, and here's what I want you to know. Uh, please, please, if you start feeling like pressure, will you just stay with us? Because, because here's why. I want you to hear my heart, and I want you to hear God's heart. So, so please, 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 just stay till the end, okay? We'll, we'll get through this together. So, uh, this is week six of a sermon series that Pastor Otis has been taking us through uh, called Moral Compass. And uh, this, uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about the principle of life. We have been learning how to navigate uh, life God's way, and we are at a point where it feels like the moral fabric of our nation is being pulled apart right now. Uh, because uh, there are questions arising, um, because things that we once called right, uh, we're now calling wrong. And things that we once called wrong, we're now calling right. And so there's a bit of confusion going on, I think, in, in the church and in America. And so uh, how do we, as the church, navigate these moments? Well, we go back to the original commands of God so that we can see the principles and the heart behind the commands. Most people today don't like the word command, but when we hear command, uh, the word command, we need to think life and blessing. Here's why. Let's look at Proverbs 3, uh, 1 through 6 together. It says, my son, do not forget my law. But let your heart keep my commands. Why? Because for length of days and long life and peace will add to you. That's good, right? Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. You know, God's ways are, are higher than our ways. The way we understand things is completely different than the way God understands it. This morning, we're going to be looking at uh, the command uh, and from Exodus 20, chapter 13, or uh, I'm sorry, chapter 20, uh, verse 13, it simply says this, you shall not murder. Now, just at a glance, this seems pretty simple. And most of us, I think, in the room would say, well, I'm pretty good on that one. I've never murdered people, so I think I'm good. Well, this command is a bit more complex than what it actually seems. So this morning, we're going to dive uh, deep and have a, uh, an introspective look into what this command actually is saying. Uh, you know, into uh, false thinking that we should never defend ourselves, that we should hold uh, 
uh, a position of extreme pacifism and that if someone breaks into your home, you should let them harm your family or that you shouldn't go uh, to war even for certain things. Well, the command from scripture in the original language actually says, you shall not murder. The Hebrew word for murder literally means this, the intentional premeditated killing of another person with malice. Malice is the intention or desire to do evil or ill will. How many of you know in here that, that uh, we don't decide what's good and what's evil? Obviously, that's why we have a mess in our country right now, and, and people think that certain things that are wrong are right and right are wrong, because we're not good judges. The only person that knows whether something is truly good or truly evil is the Lord. He's the creator, not us. So why is murder wrong? Let's look at Genesis chapter 9, 6 through 7. I love how the message uh, translation puts it. It says, whoever sheds human blood, by humans let his blood be shed, because God made humans in his image, reflecting God's very nature. You're here to bear fruit, reproduce, lavish life on the earth, and live bountifully. So... In this verse, in Genesis 9, we find out why murder is wrong. To murder a person is to do violence on the very God that created them. That's what this is saying. Why? Because humans are made in his image and likeness. We uh, reflect God's very nature. Then why why? Is the enemy working so hard to, to, uh, to make sure that people are being murdered? Here's why. Because Satan knows that at the beginning, the persons of the Trinity said, let us make man in our image. The extinguishing of life is dimming the image of God in our lives. It is the highest perversion of distortion of the image of God. Therefore, not all sin has the same penalty, even though the penalty of all sin is death. You guys with me this morning? Everybody good? Not too morbid yet? It'll, it'll get more morbid, don't worry. So, <laughs> so as a parent, I think, I think most of you are parents in here, uh, and you know that behind every command that you give your child, there's actually a blessing behind it, right? You tell your kid, don't play in the street. Why? Because you don't want them to die, right? Well, God, as our Father, gives us commands so that he can keep us safe from harm and so that he can bless us. So what is the blessing behind the command, you shall not murder? It's simply this. When you don't commit murder, life is able to flourish. Life is able to flourish. Genesis 9 said it right there. You are here to bear fruit, reproduce, lavish life on the earth, and to live bountifully. That's what we're called to do as human beings. Not to tear down, but to build up. Amen. So this morning, we're actually going to look at this. There are uh, what I'm calling is the three areas in which 
uh, we as human beings commit murder. And you're like, whoa, I thought there was only one way to commit murder. Uh, I believe there's actually three ways, uh, three areas, I should say, uh, that we do commit murder. And so, again, stick with me, please. It's going to get bumpy for a few minutes, and we're, it's going to be okay, though, okay? So stick with me. I'm, I, I want to tell you this. Uh, I, I do not want to preach politics, so I'm not. But if I leave, uh, if I left something out, it would, uh, it would be bad. So just stick with me. Uh, the very first area that we commit murder is in the physical in the physical realm, murder is committed by suicide, the killing of oneself, uh, homicide, the killing of another person, or genocide, the killing of others in mass quantities, usually and particularly ethnic groups or nations. Now, I want to give you some uh, uh, s- statistics here. Nearly 800,000 people die by suicide in the world each year, which is, what, which is roughly one death every 40 seconds. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in the world for those ages 15 to 24. Now, I've worked with, with uh, this age group uh, now for a couple years, and, and I've actually just, like in the recent... In, two years, aged out of that group. So, uh, yeah, I'm not 12. Uh, so, uh, and I believe that, that this is happening uh, for, for many reasons, but one reason in particular. Uh, young people are trying to find themselves. And, and they have all these external pressures from social media, from the television, uh, and even from parents, uh, and they are, are getting pressured to perform and to have their lives figured out at a young age. And most of the time, uh, they never have the opportunity to ask their creator, God, what he has made them to be. And so they feel all this pressure So they take their lives and their deaths into their own hands. After all, that's, that's what the world has told them to do, right? Take your life in your own hands, which is not biblical. So that they can make something of themselves. But we are decreasingly in America becoming less desensitized to murder. By the time a young person graduates high school, they have witnessed about 80,000 murders between social media, TV, and video games. 80,000 murders. Even, you can't even watch a Disney movie without there being a murder. Like... Uh, like, they might not even show, like, the murder, but you know it happened. That's crazy to think about. In the 20th century, four men by the names of Hitler, Stalin, Lenin, and Mao were responsible for 175 million lives taken. These men were all some form of atheistic communists. 
They were not Bible-believing Christians. What's scary is this. Now stick with me. Stick with me. I'm not preaching politics, okay? What's scary is that even in the church, there are people that support or are affiliated with political leaders and political parties that have the same atheistic communist uh, beliefs that these men had, even in the church. Since Roe versus Wade in 1973, there has been 60,942,033 abortions. America is committing genocide and the church has stood by idle. Why is this happening? Because the church has allowed it. God is not in charge. The state is. God isn't over life. The state is. And the state has the right to just end the lives of anyone that they deem unequal, unwilling, or unfit for any reason. And we are on a slippery slope. I ask you people who believe in abortion, where does it stop? Or even support a leader of a political party that believes in it. Where does it stop? If the people in charge decided that your life had no value, that the people that make less money than them, that are less educated than them, that had a lesser genetic makeup than them, decided that they were going to cleanse the society of you because the person in higher authority deemed it, would it be okay with you? Because that's what you're supporting. That's what you're supporting when you support that leader. Murder. You guys having fun? Yeah, are you all right? Everyone's good? No one walked out yet, I don't think, so praise God. Stay with, stay with me, stay with me. Next week's going to be really fun. It's going to be way lighter. We're going to talk about adultery. So <laughs> please make sure you come, okay? It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. It'll probably be just as rough, <laughs> but it'll be fun for Pastor Otis. <laughs> um, you know, uh, there's a story that that uh, I shared in first service, and uh, and really uh, I want to share it with you because I think it's so important. And here's here's why I wish that lady would have would have stayed here. Um, that left in first service because I, I said at the beginning, I, I really want you to hear my heart and I really want you to hear God's heart. And uh, there's a story that, that really, until first service, uh, not really many people knew. Uh, my wife and maybe some close friends, my father was actually here. He came to listen to me and, uh, and he heard this story for the first time. And uh, you know, when I was 19, I was away from the Lord and, uh, and, you know, I, I'd come here uh, as a young man at 15 uh, under Pastor Otis and, and been around for a little while. After high school, 
I, uh, I, I slipped away and, and uh, like I said, was away from God. And when I was 19 years old, uh, I was doing a lot of things and sleeping around. And uh, I was with this, this one girl at the time, and, uh, and I got her pregnant. And she texted me one day, and, and she called me one day, and she told me that she was pregnant and, and all this stuff. And uh, I said, okay, okay, this, it'll be fine. We're going to figure this out. We're going to work it out. Uh, and, um, and so I thought we were doing that. And she sends me a text one day, and she went and got an abortion. And I... In my heart, knew, uh, of course, that uh, abortion was wrong, that abortion was murder in God's eyes. And, um, and so I was so torn up for so long and, uh, because I knew that I had essentially been an accomplice to a murder. And, um, and so it weighed on me uh, for a long time. And so I, I, I share that story because uh, I know that there are probably people here this morning that have, have gone through that. And so uh, the Lord's not wanting to heap condemnation on you. Jesus is actually, uh, he, he actually loves you and wants to show you his love. And he's so faithful and merciful to come in and, and, and cleanse you of those things. Uh, but, but, you know... Uh, we are all to value life from conception to the grave. All life is eternal and valuable. So much so that Jesus calls us to raise the dead. That's how much he loves life. Now we're going to lighten things up and talk about capital punishment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, again, I can't touch on everything. This is such a vast uh, subject. But, um, but capital punishment is something that I think a lot of people uh, think about when they think of murder uh, or, or uh, what have you. So, uh, does this state actually have authority to do this? Uh, yes, according to Romans chapter 13. Let's read that together. Uh, Romans chapter 13, 1 through 3. It says... Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear? of the one in authority, then do what is right and you will be commended. So this is, capital punishment is to maintain civic order and to help life flourish. So, so those people that, that cannot be trusted in, in the society uh, to help life flourish and not tear it down, uh, that law is there to, to protect life and help it flourish. Um, now, we're going to move in to the next area, uh, 
and that is um, the mental area. You know, uh, there's a couple things that Jesus said when he was on this earth, and, and uh, you know, when, when you hate someone, you are actually committing murder in your heart. Same thing that you'll probably hear next week. If you, uh, it says, if you even look, the Bible says if you even look at a woman, but if you even look at a man, women, and, and you lust for that person, you're committing adultery. And so if we hate in our hearts, we've already committed murder. This is the mental aspect. This word, uh, there's a word, uh, maseo, uh, in the Greek, and it means to hate. Uh, let me read you the definition. It says, properly to detest on a comparative basis, hence uh, denounce to love someone or something less than someone uh, or something else, to renounce one choice in favor over another. So uh, let me read you a couple of verses, and, and when you hear the word uh, hate, I want you to think about that definition. Proverbs eight thirty five through 36 says, for whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But who sins against me wrongs in his own soul. All those who hate me love death. Why is this? Because God is life. Jesus says that, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if you hate life or you hate and you want to commit murder and take away life, you love death, and you have no part in the abundant life that God's trying to give us. First John 4, 19 through 20, sorry. <clears throat> uh, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whew. That's harsh. That's Jesus, not me, people. Don't walk out on me yet. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have seen. We, can, we can't see God, but we can see people who are made in his image and likeness. We claim to love God, but we hate people. That makes absolutely no sense. That's like people saying, uh, people come into our church sometimes and they're like, man, I, the preaching's really good, but I, I hate the long worship sets. Like, ugh. Guess what, people? That's what you're doing for all eternity, 24-7. So if you don't want long worship sets, you might not want to go to heaven because it's, it's the wrong place for you. But it doesn't make any sense. On earth, you're called to lay down your life in love for your brothers and sisters. That's all human beings, not just the people in church or the people that you like. All human beings, just as Christ did. 1 John 3, 14 through 16 says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderers has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ 
laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That is our high call, to lay down our lives for the people around us. To not hate, but to love. There's a third way, and I think many times people never think about this way. But I want you to hear about it this morning. It is the spiritual area of committing murder. You see, life comes to be when God breathes or when it is inspired by God. Genesis 2, 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. All creation was formed by the breath of God. But God spoke most of creation into existence, meaning as he spoke, the breath of God exhaled his mouth. But I want you to notice something. When God made man, however, he took extra time and extra steps. This is how much he loves life. He formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. I can just see Jesus bending down in the dirt and picking up this dirty mess and forming it into Adam. I want you to think about this you can say something to somebody and maybe your breath hits their face if they're close enough as you're walking away. But what God did with Adam, if you're giving, uh, if you're giving someone mouth-to-mouth resuscitation and your breath has to go directly into them and fill their lungs, think about this. God has to stand still and he has to get really close to you. That's how much God loves human life. When God's spirit speaks a word to you or puts a dream in you, God is breathing into you. He is inspiring you with his life-giving words and dreams. Maybe you're in here And God's put a dream or given a prophetic word to you uh, for yourself. Or maybe he's even told you a prophetic word uh, for someone else. And you have not believed it. Whether it be for yourself or the other person. For many different reasons. Maybe that person that you, or even yourself, maybe you're not mature enough. Uh, and, and so you think, well, that's not me. Or maybe you're, you're older, or maybe you're younger, or, or maybe you're just really goofy. I don't, or that person is goofy, I don't know. But you disbelieve the word of God. You disbelieve the life that God is breathing into you for yourself or that person. And when you disbelieve the word that 
God is inspiring into you, breathing into you, giving life into you, you are murdering in the spirit. You are murdering life by disbelief. You're killing it. I want, to, I want to show you something. God, even right now, I believe that God is, is breathing into people and, and, and bringing them to life and giving them words that are, that are filling them up. God still takes the time to intricately form every single person, whether that's in the womb or even right now into uh, maturity. Because he, he formed man with his hands and he didn't utter a word but literally breathed into his lungs, Adam's lungs, and he's doing it right now in you. I want to read you Psalm 39, 13 through 16 in the Passion Translation. It says, you formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you, when you created me in the secret place. Carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me before I'd even seen the light of day. The number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. God has a hope and a future to breathe life into you and for you to go out from this place and flourish and, and create life of your own, not only in the natural, but also in your mental realms and in the supernatural. Jesus is a bigger dreamer than you. He doesn't want to tear things down like we do. He always wants to build them up. Jesus came to redeem our lives from the physical, mental, and spiritual suicide that humanity committed at the fall. He's doing it even right now as you're in your seats. I want to read you one last scripture. This is John 10, 10. It says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. This is, these are the words of Jesus. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. That's why Jesus came. Most of us probably thought that, that as soon as I said, we're going to preach about not murdering people, <laughs> you probably thought, well, I'm good, and you, hopefully you didn't check out. But as you can see, all of us are murderers in some way. That's why Jesus came to earth. That's why he was murdered for us. 
to redeem us, to cleanse us from, from all the things that we have uh, done wrong, that we have wronged God. And I want to let you know this morning that he loves you and he, he cares about you and he's faithful to forgive and he's willing to forgive. No matter which area you fall into, I'm in all three. But he's willing and he's faithful and he loves you. And there's no condemnation here. I want you to know that. I hope that you have not felt any condemnation. You might have felt some pressure. But it's not condemnation. God's not condemning you. We're not condemning you. We've all wronged God. And we all need forgiveness. Forgiveness. 